You're listening to The Abby Khan Show, a podcast that inspires people to achieve what they once believed was impossible. My name's Abby Khan. I'm an actor, health and fitness coach, and it is my mission to connect with interesting people, share their stories, find out how they optimize their lives for success, and how you can do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of The Abby Khan Show. Today, I am super honored and blessed to have the time of Mr. Chris Gething. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute honor. Thank you very much for having me on the show, brother. Not that you need any introduction, but can you just give the people who may not know who you are, as bizarre as that sounds to me, uh, just a little bit of context of who you are and what you sort of do? Yeah, for sure. No worries. Like, I'm from Wales originally, grew up on a farm there uh, for you know the vast majority of my life. And whilst I was there, I was racing motocross uh, pretty much every weekend for about 13, 14 years. So that really consumed a lot of my uh, childhood and school days growing up until I left school and uh, it, it wasn't until you know when I was about 20 years old that you know a lot of the injuries that I sustained from motocross you know started to slow down my career and you know getting sponsorship I was spending more time in the hospital than I was actually on the track and it was a back injury that really put an end to it and uh, it wasn't until I started doing physiotherapy that I was relieved of the pain in my in my back, which then relieved me of the depression that I was going through because I wasn't getting the endorphin rush that you kind of get from an extreme sport. So that's when I decided to study uh, anatomy, physiology a little bit more. And I noticed that I was able to retain this content and I had a passion to learn more from it. You know, I was craving it. So I decided to go to college for three years and study it uh, full time you know, until I become an inter- internationally qualified health and sports therapist, which then uh, gave me the ticket to go and uh, uh, you know, travel the world. So I worked on cruise liners for a while. I lived in Australia, opened a gym there. I decided I wanted to reach more people as opposed to just the transformations that I was creating within a gym. So I taught myself how to write. I remember buying Miriam Webster's book on journalistic writing, taught myself to write, and started submitting content to publications. And uh, they got published. And I realized that was where my calling was. I really enjoyed it. I had a, had a passion for writing. So then I decided, you know what? You know what? I'm going to risk everything. I'm going to sell up the gym. I'm going to move to the Mecca, Venice, California, and see if I can get a job working for Weeder, Joe Weeder, and the publications like Flex and Muscle and Fitness. And within six months, I had not one but two contracts as a writer and a photographer because during this time, I taught myself how to shoot as well so I could better sell my content with uh, images accompanying. So I had my contract then working out of the Mecca and out of like after two years of that, I got an insight into the publication industry. So I published my own magazine for two years then called Caged Muscle. And uh, that then got the attention of the founder of Bodybuilding.com, Ryan DeLuca, because he needed an editor-in-chief for his website. So uh, I got that job. I moved up to Boise, Idaho, where the headquarters are, worked as the editor-in-chief for several years. And uh, in 2010, I launched a book called uh, Body by Design, and now it's called Guide to Your Best Body. And uh, I did several book launches, and one of them was in India. And uh, it got the attention of one of the big Bollywood stars here, which is like the Brad Pitt of the U.S., 
his name's Riddick Roshan, he wanted Transforming for, um, which was a sequel to a trilogy of like a superhero uh, movie called Krish 3. And uh, so I transformed him for that. It ma managed to get mass media attention, like, you know, TV, newspapers, which created an even larger demand for my services. So I stayed there a little longer. I started flying over international trainers to uh, facilitate a lot of these celebrities. And during that time, I realized that there was definitely a call for better gyms there, better services, better personal trainers. So myself and my business partner decided to open a gym franchise there. And uh, during the four years that I was in India, I, I really realized as well that there's definitely a call for better supplementation. Nobody out there was merging the health sector with the sports performance sector. Everything was... You know, artificial colors, red dye, you know, red and blue dyes, yellow dyes. Um, a lot of the branch chain amino acids were extracted from human hair, bird feathers, animal fur. And uh, a lot of the products were spikes. There was a lot of amino spiking going on in those days as well. So, you know, I figured if I'm going to have the authoritative figure here with transparency and sincerity, I need to ensure without a shadow of doubt, I know what I'm putting into my body and to what I am suggesting. So that's when I decided to contact uh, two of my now business partners that were formerly employees of bodybuilding.com as well, that Brian Land, for instance, he formulated the Jim Stepani line. He formulated the Platinum series at bodybuilding.com. You know, he's got a, a long history in really, really good formulation. So I asked him if he wanted to come on board and the CFO, of BBCom, which was Michael McLean. So we started Cage Muscle. And after 18 months of basically sourcing, traveling around, getting, you know, around the world, getting the best ingredients, we started Cage Muscle. And uh, so then I decided, okay, I'm going to have to move back to the US in order to, you know, allow this to propel itself forward while still running uh, the gym franchise with my business partner that basically took over the reins of that. And uh, so that brought, I decided, you know what, I love Boise, Idaho. I love the mountains. I grew up on a farm. This is the closest thing to it. Uh, so then I decided to move back here and here and here I am now. It sounds like you are this uh, sort of obsession about self-improvement. So wherever you sort of go, you, you are, are asking that, that internal question of how do I make this the, the best thing uh, that I possibly can. And obviously that's where... I guess you, that's where Cage Muscle essentially came from as well as a, in, in, a, in a competitive market, you were asking that question of, I need to make this the best thing that I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about it. You know, when I think about it, if, uh, if you've ever read like Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert, yeah, uh, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. like he says, you could put me on any street, in any country, in any town around the world, and I'll show you how to make a million dollars out of that street. And I, you know, that always stuck with me because my father purchased that book and he actually applied it many, many years ago because we grew up on a farm, not much money, we were struggling. When he purchased that book and applied it, and then purchased his first investment property, then the next until he had 50 investment properties. That's when I realized, okay, it's, you can't be a student of learning. You have to be a student of application. And I think that just resonated with me. And, you know, it doesn't matter where I go. You have to ensure that you apply yourself 
uh, with persistence and a consistency because there's going to be days that you don't want to do it. So motivation is going to fail you and you have to rely on discipline. So when you start a cage muscle, why did you think you could, I guess, why do you think you could succeed in such a competitive market? Because obviously even at that time, supplements were still on the rise. There was still a lot of supplement brands out there. Yeah, I didn't see it as a competitive market because there was nobody putting out products that I had in my mind. So, so I wanted to put something out there that had natural flavors, natural colors. No one in the U.S. was doing that. I wanted to put out fermented amino acids. No one was doing that. I wanted to ensure there was efficacious dosages in each one of the formulations, such as like our pre-workout as a 32-gram scoop. That's the only way that you can fit in an efficacious dosage of each ingredient into that product. No one was doing that. I wanted to ensure that products were adherent of the Prop 65 Act of all heavy metal contaminants, because we all know the adverse effects of the heavy metal contaminants in our system today. No one was doing that. No one was using organic caffeine or anything like that. So I didn't see it as a competitive market whatsoever. Like I know a lot of people in the industry that own companies that are good friends of mine. And when I told them I was going to launch just with single form amino acids, they thought I was crazy. They thought it's definitely going to fail. But when they realized that those amino acids are actually fermented and not extracted from bird feathers or animal fur or human hair, I was able to shake the tree and expose everybody that was doing that, you know, without naming the names. I basically said, look, unless that company says it's fermented, this is where those amino acids are coming from. And not only that, they're being extracted using harsh chemicals and uh, or heat, you know, or both. And it's the same, you know, if you look at, for instance, like a lot of the stevia out on the market, you know, it's full of pesticides, uh, you know, harsh chemicals. So then we go one better and ensure that we get the most highest premium form of stevia which is unbelievably bitter. You know, it's, mm. it's not a blend by any means. So we just go that extra mile that no one else is doing, and I don't want to be a Me Too brand, so I don't see it a competitive market. I'd say we're more of a niche brand, and we're facilitating just uh, to a certain commun- uh, uh, consumer. Have you found that other people have sort of taken your, um, your sort of lead and, and changed their their? ethics and their sort of products or their ingredients because of what you were doing? Yes, thankfully so. So one of my good friends is, uh, you know, uh, Alan Barrett, who owns Grenade. And, uh, you know, we speak all the time. He's a, he's a great guy. I love what he's done. Like, he's an absolute marketing genius. And he started using fermented amino acids. And then you've got the people over at Nutribio. They're using like organic caffeine now, the pure calf. And that, you know, uh, Mark Lazier over there is a good guy, great company. You know, so like there's people in the industry that I really respect. You know, it's not just caged muscle. And, uh, you know, I just hope that the rest of the industry doesn't just think about their marketing uh, spend so they can get a huge margin back, but they actually invest more so in the ingredients and the processes and the sourcing and the products instead of, you know, their deep pockets. So the more that we can see other brands doing it, the better it's going to change the industry because, you know, the supplement industry has got a bad rap, and rightfully so. If you go and go into a fast food restaurant, you know you're getting shit. You know, there's no doubt about it. But if you are going to a supplement company, you would hope that they have your health as one of as their priority as well as their performance. That's not the case. 
So that's what we really want to change. Like, there's not enough transparency, and we have to regulate. Even though it is a regulated industry, we do have to regulate ourselves because not everyone's going to get caught. So we have to be sincere and transparent and feel, you know what? I could feed this to my niece. If uh, my niece wants a healthy drink, she can drink that or he can drink that. And that's how we've got to think think about these supplement companies and what we're doing with the code of ethics. Yeah, I guess it, as you sort of said, it goes with food. Is like, would you feed that food to your child? No, and then why are you taking it yourself? Same thing with uh, with supplementation. So I love that you've gone around that path of like, would I feed this to my niece or to a or to a child? Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to think like that. You know, you can't. At the end of the day, we're here to leave a legacy. When you when you're on your deathbed, is it going to be guilt? Is it going to be regrets? Or you feel that you've done everything that you could with sincerity? Yes, no amount of money is going to give you the abundance of time, so you might as well do everything right in your life. Yeah, exactly. You know, you speak to a lot of people that have made the millions and whatever, and they just say, you know what, I would, I would exchange this anytime just for you know human relationships or connections or friendships, and that's where the success lies at the end of the day. And you're not going to do that by ripping people off, you know. No, absolutely. It's one thing I always say to, to the people in, around me is that I don't want to sit at the top of the mountain by myself. Do you know what I mean? I want a whole tribe around me. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what we're, we're tribal leaders at the end of the day. Mm. So when we're looking at supplementation, obviously, with without a good nutrition um, protocol, good training protocol, great sleep hygiene, things of that nature, supplements aren't going to give you the best bang for your buck. But for the people that are in that stage who are looking for that last sort of 5%, how do you think about supplementation, specifically from a cognitive performance? How do you think about uh, certain supplementation that's going to help improve that? Yeah, for sure. You know, like it, even creatine has been shown to have a nootropic effect, a cognitive positive effect. So, of course, you know, and if, dependent on the form of caffeine, like we use an organic caffeine in our products. It's called from Pure Caf. Like I went to India, like you can find this video uh, out there that, you know, we went to the manufacturing facility, we went to the farm to see how it's harvested, the good, you know, uh, food practices. Uh, Because like, you know, there's certain caffeines out there that are again sprayed with pesticides or they are made in a lab. They're synthetic forms of caffeine and they're designed to get you amped and get you anxious. So even though you think caffeine is going to be a nootropic, a lot of the time it can be the opposite. So that's why I do suggest that people look for the organic, um, the, the kind of that. Of course, there's other you know nootropics out there like vinpocetine, hoopazine, uh, mushrooms. Like I do take a performance uh, mushrooms every day. Um, you know, I like to have that in my coffee. Again, you know, there's other forms of nootropics that some people think is phenomenal, and that would be like MCT oil. Uh, combined like the caprylic acid the c8 combined with their caffeine in the morning is a great nootropic in itself you know so i think it can obviously help like you said if everything is in place their sleep hygiene their deep sleep rem sleep uh, sleep cycles are perfect they're hydrated their nutrition is on point and when i say nutrition on point i don't mean just eating your chicken rice and potatoes and whatever but it's humane raised it's organically grown it's wild caught it's grass fed because obviously those antibiotics that are in a lot of the farmed food that is mass produced uh, are going to have an effect on your gut microbiome 
And if you had got an effect there, it doesn't matter how many nootropics that you take, uh, what that stack looks like if your gut microbiome is uh, permeable. You know, if you have gut dysbiosis, it's not going to help you, uh, you know, from a chemical standpoint in your brain because you're constantly inflamed. And that inflammatory response can lead to a chemical negative response. Yeah, I think what a lot of people sort of forget is that around like 90% of our neurotransmitters are created in our microbiome. So if you want happy little hits of serotonin, you better be focused on what you're actually consuming and putting into your body. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize they think it's created in the brain when like 70% of it is created in the gut. You know, and I, that's why I always refer to my gut as being my primary brain, not my second brain as a, you know, a lot of functional doctors uh, would say because I think it's that important. You know, a lot of people that are dealing with some sort of anxiety, depression, uh, some sort of mental disorder, a lot of the time you can, not all the time, I'm not a doctor, uh, but a lot of the time you can trace it back to what they're eating and possible gut dysbiosis. And then you have to look at obviously, you know, cleaning the gut, resetting it, and then, uh, you know, making sure you have plenty of opportunist flora back there in order for you to, to sustain, you know, a healthy microbiome and healthy brain and healthy body. Is that something you think about in terms of your supplementation or is that, do you have specific supplements that target that to help improve microbiome? Uh, no, not within our brand ourselves. You know, like I said, I'm not like a me too brand yeah. and I actually take and suggest a couple of products that I think are fantastic. So there's a company called Optimizers. They have a great probiotic called P3OM, and they've just released now something called Cognibiotic. Because these guys, like Wade Lightheart, is an absolute genius when it comes to this, and a lot of the scientific researchers he has working underneath him. And uh, they have researched, obviously, what can have a eutropic effect in your brain stemming from the gut microbiome. So they feed that biome with this supplement called Cognibiotic. But a lot of the time, you know, I'll clean it up with people's diet, dependent on what their blood panels and maybe their stool samples show. Maybe they've had a Viome test and that will tell me, okay, this person probably needs to you know, clean all of this out of his diet. He has sensitivities to this or maybe they need to go carnival for four weeks to have a complete reset you know, it's all dependent on that individual at the end of the day. And then we start looking at their probiotic and prebiotic fiber. Okay, now we're going to include sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, goat's kefir, you know, stay, eliminate dairy. You know, there's a lot of things that you do, you do from a nutritional standpoint before you even uh, touch a supplement, I believe. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Do you still train people? Yeah, so, you know, that, you know that's probably my major... Uh, form of income at the moment because obviously the gyms are closed, mm. supplement sales are down. So, so I'm putting all my time and effort into my online platform at the moment. So, you know, that has increased like 400% uh, based, based on demand at this moment because everybody wants to now continue to stay in shape at home. Uh, so, you know, I'm providing a lot of programs to those that are, you know, stuck indoors and they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just use so every single day on my Insta stories, I post a transformation. I just posted one today of somebody over the past 12 weeks who's been in lockdown, who's been training from home, went through a phenomenal transformation. So that's where I'm putting all my efforts at the moment. And I'm just publishing ebook after ebook 
specifically for people that are in lockdown. Even though the one that I've got going out next week is like a, a booty Bible, far from people <laughs> in lockdown, but, you know, a little bit different. It's just based on demand. Yeah, if, the, if, the peop, if people want it and, the, and they're asking you for it, then you've got to uh, adapt to the market, I guess. And we'll come back to that, because I want to be uh, talk about what you're doing in terms of brand to, to keep optimizing progression. But we talked about supplementation for, for cognitive performance. How do you think about a supplementation for more for the recovery um, perspective? Are there specific ones that you'd recommend to people? Again, as long as they've got a great sleep hygiene to start with. Yeah, so I always tell people that you have to prioritize your recovery, not your workouts. Mm. Obviously, your workouts need to be intense, but see, a lot of people get hung up. Okay, I need to take... I need to have this amount of caffeine, I need to have this pre-workout, and then they have a crazy workout, but then they don't focus on their recovery. They think, okay, I trained hard, now I can have a cheat meal, I deserve it. Where that's obviously going to cause, like you said, you know, uh, gut dysbiosis, inflammation. So I always get my clients to prioritize their recovery because that will dictate their performance the next day. So let's say that person has just trained for an hour, hour and a half. Now they only have 22 and a half or 23 hours to completely recover, to put in the same amount of intensity that I require into that next session. So, you know, that recovery has to be prioritized. Like you said, sleep, hydration is part of it. But immediately post-workout, I get all my clients to have you know, this is going to sound like a, a marketing ploy now, but my recaged formula that I've created. Uh, so that's a, a, a whey protein isolate, and it has a prohydrolyzed enzyme that helps break down that protein peptide into a hydrolyzed size form without the heat or chemicals that hydrolyzed protein is usually made of because that destroys the structural integrity of the protein. Then I have creatine as part of that post-workout, have glutamine as post of that part uh, post-workout. I also encourage my clients to take branched-chain amino acids post-workout because that will give it a sufficient insulin spike, especially with the leucine amount in there, without having to take carbohydrates immediately post-workout because that will uh, sedate the release of growth hormone levels. So I get my uh, clients to eat, and I do myself, their carbs after their And then that meal is usually made up of a very high BV form of protein. So it could be like fish, it could be eggs, egg whites, and could be white rice, could be uh, potatoes, you know, something that assimilates very, very quickly. So the, so the pre-workout and post-workout meals are usually very, very, very light, high BV. And then later in the evening is usually like a slow-release protein, either like a red meat, a steak, or like a casein, for instance, with maybe some nuts. Chris, I lost your thought. Before, uh, before you go uh, no. ask a question, I was going to say hydration is a big part of it for me. Mm. I just noticed that people's performance a lot of the time isn't because maybe they had a bad night's sleep or their food wasn't on point. A lot of the time, they're just not drinking enough fluid. Mm. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, what do you think about um, in terms of like sodium? intake as well i know a lot of people that don't uh, absorb get a lot of sodium don't tend to absorb a lot of um a lot of water into muscle and and that could be another reason why they are de dehydrated i've got a few clients myself that drink just a ton of water but they're completely against salt so they don't have any salt in their diet and they're struggling with performance so all i basically is like cool let's try a little bit of salt in your in your water or a little bit of salt on food and their performance increased massively so do you think about sodium at all 
oh yeah i have sodium on every every meal you know you have to look at the source of that sodium that salt mm. so there's a company that i use and it's called redmond real salt because they have an underground lake that they mine from uh in salt lake city you know pardon the pun salt lake city but <laughs> That's where you you know it isn't got the contaminants that you could potentially find in the ocean, and it has a higher amount of mineral base within that than it does in a standardized salt. So you know I I get all my clients to use the Redmond Real Salt all the time, and uh, you know I consider it the mineral version of creatine. You know creatine is a phenomenal supplement that I get my clients to supplement with as well. But, you know, it helps, like you said, attract water into the cell, especially if that person is living in a humid climate or a hot climate like Sydney during the summer. You know, they're going to be perspiring a lot, especially if they're active individuals. So they definitely need their salt unless they've got like some sort of issue where they have angina and, you know, they're under doctor's orders not to have sodium. Then there's no reason why they shouldn't, you know, because if they're eating a typical clean in uh, like athletes diet it's not going to have all the sodium that you find in a lot of the fast foods and the crap that's out there and that's when generally people have an issue with sodium because it's just in all the processed foods that's out there on the market that they shouldn't be eating anyway yeah i think as you sort of said there it's the looking at the sauce you're going to get something good quality get it and when we or a lot of people demonize sodium you're like yeah because you're eating fucking five servings of mcdonald's every week of course your sodium levels are going to be too high yeah yeah exactly exactly um i lost you for two seconds there when we we spoke about carbohydrates so you said immediately post-workout you'll have a wpi uh base shape when would you put your carbohydrates in is that the first meal after a workout or do you go more for a carb backloading approach and put it before bed to optimize sleep yeah sorry about that yeah it's about nine about 60 to 90 minutes usually about 90 minutes after the isolate because I encourage all my clients and myself like straight after the workout do post-workout cardio if you don't have time to do post-workout cardio just cool down for 10 minutes because you want to get that isolate into the localized areas whether it be your back or your legs whatever you just trained as soon as humanly possible so that's pretty much you know pre-digested food so then you're probably going to give yourself about 60 90 minutes to get home prepare your food if you don't have it with you that's when you would have your carbohydrates so that would be like a high bv food such as fish or egg whites and the carbohydrates could be like uh, white rice could be potatoes something like that do you track um calories and macros with most of your clients or is it more so just teaching them to clean things up a little bit and avoid a lot of processed foods and things of that nature yeah yeah, track the macros for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, so it's, you know, like it'll change from training days to non-training days. Specific what that goal is. You know, some people don't like to eat, eat frequently, so I'll get them uh, controlled intermittent fasting, for instance. Uh, you know, I have people on all sorts of diets, whether it be uh, IF, keto, paleo, you name it. Because it de- depends on the individual, right? Correct. You know, it has to be something that's sufficient and that facilitates them that they're going to make it a lifestyle because you know i'm not into congratulating people because they stuck to a clean diet for four weeks well guess what that's what you should be doing anyway i'm not going to congratulate you for that let's stay you know at the end of like 12 weeks that you're working with me or six months whatever now this is the hard part this is the start of your lifestyle 
that's you know going to be the hard part it's not just a transformation you know during a three or six month uh, timeline you know that is the boot camp but that's the boot camp now for the rest of your life yeah you're not just creating a nutritional protocol you're creating a whole new behavior and you want that to, to happen every single day of course of course and um, so we we briefly touched on this but in terms of obviously everything that's sort of going on, we've got a lot of uh, entrepreneurial people, business owners, things like that, that, that listen to the podcast. How has the, the sort of crisis affected you and how have you sort of adapted to keep moving forward, to keep making progress and, and pushing towards the, I guess, the ultimate sort of vision for yourself and your business? Uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, all of my gyms have been closed in India now for uh, coming on six six weeks now, over six weeks. Wow. Uh, so that's been very hard because we are continuing to pay the staff like 50% mm. at least, you know, so we do want staff when we do eventually open, but it's very, very difficult, obviously, with no incoming. So we've had to become very creative with uh, online facilitation of uh, training and uh, co- um, uh, courses and and our classes, etc. Um, but you know, still, it, it, it's tough. It's very, very tough. And uh, you know, the supplement sales are down slightly because obviously people aren't going to brick and mortar stores like your GNCs or your vitamin shops to get sports supplements. They're getting their elderberry or their vitamin C or their cordial silver. You know, so you know that's been difficult. You know, but we're doing whatever we can to facilitate short-term goals and kind of funnel more people to our website uh, where we can be a little bit more promotional because we don't have to give margin to distribution channels so we can help people that in that regards. Because I do understand that people are under financial strain. You know, they're in economic instability at this moment. So a lot of people are. So we're doing whatever we can to allow them to continue with their goals while they're training at home, but at a much uh, lower price point. And, uh, you know, part of the thing that I've been doing, you know, I don't excel in one area. I find collectively I can excel. So that's why I have my finger and a lot of pies. So I have my own website platform. It's called HealthKick. That's spelt with a K-I-K dot com. And that's where I facilitate and publish a lot of my ebooks that I'm putting out. I just finished doing a webinar to my members now just before coming on to this uh, podcast. Um, you know, I, I provide daily blogs, daily updates. I also do my online one-on-one coaching there as well. So I've really had to double down uh, there because there's been such a demand. You know, it's increased like 400% over the past week and a half. So it's taken up a lot of my time at the moment um, because there's the demand. So that's where I'm helping a lot of people. So I kind of have to navigate my way around the stresses of the industry but it goes to show that you know if you try to put all your fingers or your eggs in one basket it could they could definitely break straight away so it's good to have some versatility that can complement each other no brilliant is that i love that chris thank you for, for sharing that i think a lot of people get that takeaway of don't focus on the the things that you can't control think focus on the things that you can and, and sort of go all in on, on those again for the time being it's not going to be a forever thing but right now you've got to just divert not diversify you've got to try and focus on what you what you can control really yeah because you know we do have long-term goals with all of our companies with all the brands uh, but now we have to change that completely uh, because now we're in survival mode so we're just looking at the short-term goals that we can provide that people are demanding at this time 
what does you I mean obviously with everything going on I'm not sure if you do have access to a gym but what does your current training look like um because I, I know from your history sorry you went to bodybuilding then like was it triathlons or potentially still even triathlons uh Ironman style thing uh is that still the the current goal for you yeah so uh yeah I started doing Ironman triathlon several years ago now and I've done quite a few since and ultramarathon and stuff like that and I still like training that way so you know, I went for an hour run or 45 minute run this morning. So, and you know, I've been, I did my webinar on this, uh, tr- uh, walking treadmill, treadmill desk that I'm talking to, talking to you from now. And, uh, I've got another call after this and I'll continue to walk on this treadmill desk. So I, you know, I like to move a lot, but I do have a bit of a gym set up downstairs. It's not full, uh, fitted gym by any means, but I have a watt bike. I have a Carol AR bike, I have a curved treadmill, I've got a hexagon bar, I've got an easy bar, I've got a, a jump box, I've got a kick bag, I've got kettlebells, so I'm good. So my workouts are much more functional at this moment as opposed to your typical bodybuilding split. Yes, I am hitting arms, yes, I am hitting legs, but you know, I'm doing a functional workout at the same time. So I make a promise to myself that I don't leave my garage downstairs until I've burnt a thousand calories. So I wear a my zone belt and I just go at it as hard as I can for an hour without stopping. You know, I don't have the general rest and recovery for three minutes between sets. I'm just going from one thing to the next. It could be kettlebell snatch, kettlebell cleans swings i got a tractor tire out there i could be in the middle of the street flipping a tire i could be hitting a tire with a hammer you know what i mean i'm always on the go so you know i am training about five days a week but i do cardio twice a day every day you know it's very therapeutic to me how are you able to i guess especially with the the nature of the spot that is the triathlon ironman there's a lot of hours put in there uh more so than say bodybuilding if you're not you know, um, coming into a contest, but how are you able to sort of balance that and run, I guess, multiple companies across the world as well? Do you, are you a very, I guess, overly structured person? Are you very sort of process oriented in terms of that? Yeah, like I quickly realized younger in life that life would be a white knuckle ride for me if I didn't have a militant schedule. So for instance, if someone was to call me right now and say, hey, can you just get on a call? Uh, Probably not, Mm. because I have everything so militant schedule within my day. I have a calendar and I abide by it. Otherwise, much like if you go to the doctor's office, if you show up late, then all those clients are going to be late. And I can't have that. You know, I'm a very punctual person in that regards. So I am militant with, uh, you know, preparation. I do like to prepare everything in advance. But with my training uh, for like Ironman Triathlon, for instance, that's probably the most common question that I always got, you know, and especially from people that are coming from a bodybuilding background because everyone believes that they're going to wither away uh, to like a skinny beanstalk mm-hmm. if they start doing all this cardio. So I wrote a book about it called Man of Iron and showed people exactly how they continue to be a bodybuilder or a strength trained athlete and participate in endurance, you know, so, you know, basically hybrid athleticism. And like, I'll, I'll, if I'm preparing for an Ironman, I'm only training for about 45 to 60 minutes a day for that particular discipline. You know, that could be running, that could be swimming, that could be cycling. I do a lot of interval work, a lot of hill sprints. Um, I'm never really in the gray area. 
I'm always going extremely hard and fast or I'm going very slow and long. So as an example, my weekends, they would allow me to go slow and long. So maybe I'm going to go for an eight to 12 mile run or I'm going to go for an 80 to 100 mile bike ride. You know, but I'm going slow because I need to get time in the saddle. I need to figure out what my body needs in regards to nutrition and hydration. So when I'm actually doing the event, I've already got it all planned out, you know. But other than that, it's very short intervals. I'll bring the volume down of my weight training and I'll only train four days a week as opposed to the typical five, uh, five to six. Um, but I wake up early. I go to bed early. I know that I'm uh, a lot more functionally cognitive prepared in the morning so you know i'm usually in bed by eight o'clock i'm reading for about 30 minutes then it's light out at 8 30 but i'm up early and i attack the day and i notice that i have less distractions in the day because more, less people are up at that hour so uh, that kind of works for me I love that you said that. That's the that's the exact sort of way that I think of it. That's why even this podcast here uh, is relatively early over here. It was like, great, this is the exact time I get up anyway, so it's perfect. Um, which brings us on to routines. I'm obsessed with people's routines and how they optimize that that time for for success. So, I mean, what does the sort of first hour of the day look like for for you? So waking up time, and then what do you sort of do for that first hour to prepare the day for success? So the first thing that I do is have hydrogen-rich water. So I'll put some hydrogen-rich water tablets in a mason jar. I'll put some, um, you know, like some electrolytes in there. Could be some, uh, you know, some real salt in there. Sometimes I have trace minerals. I'll knock back a big mason jar of that while that is going. Uh, while I'm drinking that, drinking that, I'll then make my coffee for the day. And once I've made that coffee, then I either go to my meditation split space, I've got a meditation room in the house, or I'll go outside, dependent on the weather, and I'll meditate for a little while. Uh, you know, I'm very cognizant of the fact that, you know, we are reactive species, so I don't switch on my phone, I don't become a reaction, I don't want to create that anxiety from the moment that I wake up. So I use that time to try to meditate consider mindfulness and manifest exactly what I want to accomplish for that day. And then dependent on the weather, uh, if it's sunny, then I'll try to get some sun, uh, you know, as soon as the sun comes up, because I want to get that restorative red light. A lot of the time that doesn't happen because I'm up so early. So I have like an infrared panel and I'll sit in, in front of that for like 10, 15 minutes to make sure that I get that restorative red light. And uh, then, you know, I'm, you know, I'm stretching. I usually stretch for about five to ten minutes to make sure that I'm limbered up uh, for the day because as I get a little bit older, you know, I do get tighter. And uh, then I'll start my cardio. You know, I'll usually have, before I start my cardio, I'll have my essential amino acids. I'll have my glutamine because I am fasting, so I'll control that fast. And then I'll start my cardio. That cardio could be, you know, on the treadmill. You know, this morning I went outside for a run. I could be hitting a bike, I could be doing some sort of functional workout. And then when I get back, um, I'll get in the ice bath. Sometimes I get in a sauna, I got a sauna here at the backyard. But then I'll get in an ice bath for like three to five minutes. Yesterday I was in it for about five minutes. I noticed that really helps with uh, my emotional stability, also helps with my blood sugar level uh, regulation. Uh, because I wear like a, a CRM, like a blood glucose monitor, so I'm able to monitor exactly what it does to my blood sugar levels. And then I start my day. I start my work. 
you know, so, you know, doing the podcasts, a lot of emails, a lot of conference calls, and then I just go hard with that until about usually three or four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, and then I, I have my workout, but I break my fast usually, because I am fasting at the moment, about one or two o'clock in the afternoon, have that meal, let that settle, take my pre-workout, hit the gym, uh, you know, I do everything here in quarantine as if I do if I'm going to the gym you know I make sure that I'm you know when I'm driving to the gym I'm usually mentally preparing myself for what's about to come I do the same here just in a quiet spot I'll take my pre-workout 30 minutes before I'll take my intro workout during my workout post-workout I'll have my shake and after that workout is when I'll go for my second cardio and that's usually going outside taking my dog slate for a walk and then come back in, I'll hit some more work, some more emails, and usually then I'd like to switch off, if I can, if I can, it all depends how busy that day is, after 6 p.m. I try to switch off, you know, I, uh, that's when I'll wear my blue light blocking glasses, uh, because I don't want any artificial light uh, penetrating my retina, because I need to release my melatonin now, um, sometimes I'll lie down on like my PEMF mat. It's a pulsed electronic magnetic field therapy mat, just to help with a lot of the inflammation that I deal with in my body if I'm, you know, stressing it hard. And um, and then I, you know, I usually like to pick up a book and read for a while. And I'm usually in bed by by like eight o'clock. It's usually my day. There's a lot of different things that can change, that can happen, but you know, usually that's like the standardized uh, protocol, you know. And what does a typical day of new? Because obviously you're fasting right now. Like, what does a typical day of nutrition look like for you? So you know, it's very, very similar. Very similar. I usually break my fast with raw vegetables, and then I'll have cooked vegetables, and then I'll have a form of protein, and then I usually finish it with either a form of carbohydrates or fats. I don't usually mix the both. You know, maybe in the following meal, if I had fats in the first one, I'll have carbohydrates in the second one or vice versa. But I usually have about three meals uh, during, you know, my feeding window and, uh, you know, one to two supplements, uh, one to two shakes, that is. Yeah, so I, I guess it's perfect, right? Like, yeah, people oversimplify, they try to overcome complex sort of nutrition you're just like it doesn't have to be that hard like it's not overly complex you just need to be i guess more disciplined yeah very disciplined unfortunately yeah that actually sends me uh food as well you know it's a, a food delivery company it's called nutrition solutions so they're pretty good it's good it's very healthy and they're much better in the, ki the kitchen than I am. I'm a very boring eater. To, <laughs> but I do ensure that I have plenty of uh, like like organ meat as well. Mm. So so there's a company here locally called Cunningham Pastured Meats. I buy, buy all my meats from them. Um, you know, like my organ meats meats, just to make sure that I'm not having having a constant influx flux of methionine. But I am bound, bouncing it out with uh, plenty of plenty of glycine as well. So I'll have that. I'll have bone broth, etc. That's really diverse there with, with lots of variety of nutrients and, and probiotics too in the system. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, it's nutrient-dense as opposed to calorie-dense. Calorie yeah. Who do you think is your biggest inspiration? Obviously, you're very, very sort of focused on self-improvement and, and wanting to be successful in many different areas. Who do you think your biggest in, inspiration has been throughout your life that's driven that? Okay, well, there's, there's several several inspirations. You know, during my childhood, it's definitely my father, 
still is now. Uh, but but Henry Rollins, I'd say, is probably the number one who's been the driving force because I found I found it very hard to relate to a lot of people growing up. You know, I was never part of a clique. I grew up on a up on a farm. You know, pretty much entertaining myself. And then you know, I you know I never really did well in teams team sports. I hated team sports. Hated school. So that, so that's why I did mountain bike. Uh, you know, I raced downhill mountain biking for a while. I raced, uh, raced motor, motocross and then bodybuilding and Ironman triathlon and ultramarathon. You know, you know, and Spartan. It's all very individualized sports. And the only person that I could I could feel that I really really related to because no one was like me, uh, as weird as that sounds, was like like Henry Rollins. And uh, you know, through all of all of the books that I read of his, through through all the lyrics that I heard from his albums, to his spoken word, uh, you know, concerts. You know, I've seen him in Australia a couple of times in Sydney. I've seen him in the US, US. I've seen him in the UK. We actually actually have batted back and forth by by email. So I'd say he is uh, uh, that number one inspiration. I'd say. And for the people that don't aren't aware of Henry, he is who who is he and what's he sort of done through? It? What was his main focus in his life in terms of career? So to begin with, he was he was a frontman of like a, an old like a punk band called called Black Flag, and then he started his own his own band called the Rollings Band. Band. He had his own TV show on MTV called the IFC Show. Um, he he also done a lot of shows like on the discovery channel he's done he's done spoken word he's an, an actor been in quite a number of movies he's got his own, his own publication company so he publishes book, books for other people he publishes which is his own books as well so he's got a plethora of books he's got a, ra- a radio show in la he writes for la weekly you know he's a very diverse character the so the guy is relentless when he, when he works. When he goes on tour, if you look at the calendar, calendar very rarely do you see a day off. You know, you know. So he's somebody that always conditions his resolve. resolve. He's a very tough guy, and I kind of like that. That especially in this day and age, age. You know, he may be getting older. You know, in his in his fifties, but you know, he's he he take people to town that are in their twenties, which I like. I like. <laughs> no, it's that that old school sort of brunt work ethic, which I, which I absolutely love. And I think it is getting a little bit lost um, in nowadays. I think people look, want to look for that easy sort of route when we see people that have, you know, created massive companies such as like Facebook, for example, like, cool, that's what I want. And they almost want it to happen overnight, but that's not just, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. People tend to look at success uh, more than they prioritize sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice that you have to go after after every day in order to even even realize or think about that success. And also, and a lot of people miss that. Hmm. That sort of touches on what um, what are the some of the biggest lessons you've you've learned from creating your own business and, and brand? To get used to doing to doing shit that you don't want to do, you know, you know, you have to rely on dis- discipline uh, because motivation will always let you down. Down. Some days you'll wake up motivated, other other days you won't. So forget motivation. That's that's going to be useless in your armor. So discipline is where it's at. So I've always liked to to do things like I said, like the Iron the Ironman triathlon or ultra marathon and you know body bodybuilding or training, I should say, uh, because. There's a lot of days, days that you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. You know, like every day I get in the ice bath. Do you think I want to do it? Do it? No, no. But I do it because it gets me used to doing stuff that I, stuff that I don't want to do, and it kind of toughens you, toughens you to a certain degree because there is going to be a time where, 
we are older, we are going to be frail, frail, we're going to be a softer, and we can't do those those things. So we need to do whatever we can can to fight against that now. If you want to hit the snooze button, you don't. You get up, get up. So I think it's been persistent and uh, getting used to doing things that you don't want to do. And, e- and even though it may seem odd, well, why the hell would I get I get in a cold shower or something? Well, well, there's a transcendence effect to other other areas of your life because now you get you get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I notice just a lot of people just come up with so many many excuses. And when I hear a lot of those excuses, excuses, I just want to puke. I just want to throw up mm. because I just think a lot of the human human race are becoming very easy to kill kill. And I don't want to be like that. I think it's embarrassing. embarrassing. So, you know, I think you know, people just people just need to toughen up a little bit and get used to doing the things that they don't they don't want to do and get comfortable being, un- being uncomfortable. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And those are the same sort of people that complain. They complain that they're not successful. They complain they haven't got enough money or the lifestyle that they want. And you're like, well, what are you doing about that? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, I I couldn't do my cardio. Why? Because it was rain. It was raining outside. I couldn't do my cardio. Cardio. Why? Because it was too hot outside. It's always some something. Mm. You know, and you know, you know, people just need to toughen up a little bit. I tell people, hey, look, it's raining out. Raining outside. Your skin is waterproof. It's fine. Fine. You can get out there. Because guess what? You know, you know, I refer to living on the farm. If it's snow, snowing. If it's raining. If it's frozen, frozen. You still have to get out there because your your livestock is your livelihood. You don't you don't feed the animals. You don't take care of the animals. You die, t- die too. And uh, you know I think more, the more the more people that could spend time time on farms and then go back to their normalized, normalized lifestyle would learn a lot. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I uh, when I first came out to to Australia. So I played I played rugby league in growing up in England and. Um, when we first came out, it was one day and it was it was raining like quite quite heavy over here, and they were like, okay, like um, it's that like, the game's called off today, and I was just like, well, why is that? Because it's like raining. I was like, what do you mean? And there was like like it's it's raining too heavy, so we're not going to play. I was like, are you on crack? Like, what do you? If we'd have done this in the UK, we'd never ever have played any sport ever. You know, I used to say the same exact thing when I was in Australia because when I had my gym gym there. Sometimes it'd be raining, and then all of a sudden, the, sudden the gym was packed in the afternoon because there was a lot. There's a lot of people that worked labor jobs, such as builders. And I was like, "How come you're not at work?" They said, "Well, it's raining outside." I'm like, "I'm like, dude, nothing would get built in Wales yes, yeah. or in the UK if that well, that was the case because <laughs> it's raining all the time." Yeah, I, I used to do the same thing. I did a little bit of um, a little bit of plumbing, uh, and that was the same thing. It was raining; it wasn't even that heavy, and I was just like. Guys, you need you need to toughen up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're afraid of rain, just put a raincoat on and just carry on. Yeah, we are weird. Yeah, I remember I worked on a building site as well, and I remember my hands and sticking to the scaffold, scaffolding because my hands are obviously a little bit damp, damp or something, and it's frozen, frozen. That's frozen outside, outside. But you know, that's what you just did. Yeah, that's how you need to adapt. Um, what are some books that, that you'd sort of recommend? What's a recent book that you've rec- uh, read that you think people could really get a lot of benefit out of, whether that's in the health and fitness world, business world, whatever it sort of might be? Right, okay. Well, there's a few books books that I'm uh, reading at the moment. Let me think. I just, I'm terrible at recalling the title, titles. Uh, so there's one, one called Elite Mind by just Justin Stenstrom. Uh, that I'm reading at the moment. That's that's a really good, really good book. And there's another one. Just give me a second. I'm going to bring up the, t- mm. the title right now. It's called 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of of the World Class. And the other one is Seven Habits Habits of Highly Effective Pe- People. 
and uh, I'm also also uh, reading Boundless by uh, Ben Greenfield. And the other one is by Dr. Jace, Jason Fung. Um, let me sing, sing. What's it called? Ah, it's uh, the uh, the Fasting Lane. The Fasting Lane. And one I've just recently finished reading is thing is called Forbidding Healing by Captain Randall and EMF by by Dr. Joseph McCullough. That's a really good book. Good book. Yeah, I read a little bit of the the EMF, but some stuff by uh, Joseph McCullough is, is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um. There's a wide array of books there. Are you an avid reader or is it just the sort of 30 minutes before bed but you make that a daily thing? Yeah, I usually make that a daily thing. You know, if I've, if I've got time on the weekends, I will read a little bit more. more. But it's usually because my day is just so so jammed. It's usually that 30 minute, minutes before bed, really. Because when, I, when I'm eating uh, my meals, I try not to be distracted. So I try not to read. I, read, I try not to scroll. I try, I try not to be on a call or in communication i like to be present so you know my time is limited but you know like audiobooks i'll listen to a lot of audiobooks if i'm doing cardio or a podcast you know so that's another time when i can really get it in yeah i think audiobooks have definitely been a ga- game changer in terms of just absorbing knowledge on the go yeah yeah exactly and chris lastly so what's um obviously the, with the quarantine and stuff that's happening but What's next for you in terms of where, where you're taking Kay's muscle this year? Do you have any big sort of goals coming out of this? Um, well, you know, yeah, obviously, we're, we're, you know, we've got to continue to expand the line, the line. So, you know, we've been doing a lot of sampling playing, mm. uh, during this time to really work, you know, try to try to bolt out some some more products. So we're, you know, looking at uh, producing a vegan plant-based protein at the moment it's just very very hard to get to get it below uh, the prop the prop 65 act adherence of heavy metal contaminants and it's very very hard so that's what we're working on working on at the moment we're also going to be be uh we're working on a multi multivitamin to get out this year as well it's all it's all naturally grown so it's not you know a lot of the synthetic crap that you find it's all natural naturally grown product with the efficacious dosages for active individuals and uh, we're also looking at like a small like a more of an of an introductory version of pre-caged or pre-workout because some people do find that pre-caged is a little is a little bit too strong for them or it may even be a little be a little bit too expensive for them hmm. so we want to bring out something that's going to block block uh, blow the socks off everything else in, in the market at that price price point uh, that's going to be a little bit more of an introductory uh, for those for those people and just a lot more flavors was you know it, it takes us about nine months to flavor either each product because we naturally flavor it um so you know that's what our, our focus is, is on at the moment oh beautiful i'm sure people are going to be looking forward to, to those coming out and last minute where can people find you uh, if you've got anything that you want to sort of push and plug at the moment obviously you've got the, the website as well but where can people mainly reach out just to say hey ask any questions yeah, sure, sure. Like, if uh, people want to find me, and the best place is probably is probably on my Instagram, K R I I S Gethin G E T H I N I N. If they're interested in like like online training or anything like that, they can they can just go to my website. That's www.healthhealthhhkik.com. Well, that's it. Thank you. Perfect. And all those will be located in the show notes below. Lastly, Chris, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate your your time in this insanely busy time for you. Thank you very much. I'm sure it's the same, same for you, brother. So I appreciate it. And thank you, ever, thank you ever so much to all your listeners as well. Okay, guys, thank you so much. And we all hope you have a great day.